The words chosen for this morning are found in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, beginning with the 25th verse. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might cleanse, he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. In Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was baptized at the Jordan. In Ephesians 5, the text that we just read, the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church, is used to picture that loving, self-sacrificing relationship that God intends between Christian husband and Christian wife. It's a beautiful text. Yet, right in the middle of it, there is a baptism passage that's very important concerning baptism, the washing that saves. Why baptism in the middle of a marriage text? The ancient church fathers explained it this way. They said, as the bride of the first Adam was formed from his side as he slept, so the bride of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, was formed from his side as he slept in death. What did they mean? When Jesus hung on the cross that first Good Friday, he accomplished salvation uh, for all people so that he could cry out triumphantly, it is finished showing that our redemption is complete. Then, as the first Adam, he closed his eyes, and as he slept, but in death, his side was pierced, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water, pointing to the waters of baptism, the blood of communion, and his word, which has formed his bride, the church, so what this text is saying in the, middle of in the middle of marriage is that Christ's bride has been formed and cleansed uh, through the wonderful washing of baptism flowing from the dear Savior's side. It is the washing that gives cleansing. Something, the question is, do we need it? Is it something that you need? Is it something that I need? I believe I'm relatively clean. I take a shower every morning. I use pit spray. And, <laughs> and the grand finale is I use a lot of that cheap cologne that my wife bought me for Christmas <laughs> that even the sun doesn't want to use. So I don't think I smell half that bad. My family motto is cleanliness next to godliness. But Isaiah tells us, we're, in all, we're all an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And Jeremiah writes, though you wash with lye and use much soap, 
Washed with lye, can you imagine? It takes your skin right off. Washed with lye and use much soap. The stain of your iniquity is ever before us. So what the scriptures are telling us is that by nature, and when we continue to sin in this life, we are a filthy, disgusting stench in the nostrils of the Almighty. We are filthy from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Oh, we are covered with the slime of hatred, anger, bitterness. Think of all the things that are bothering you that you're angry with someone about this morning that irritated you. All of those things are a disgusting mess in the eyes of the Lord. They reek to high heaven. And how are we going to get rid of them? Well, the predominant view probably is as long as my life has good things in it and the good outweighs the bad, God should accept it and all is right with the world. And other people just simply ignore it. I have spots, that's life. Maybe somebody else won't notice them or something like that. Yet regardless of what we do to remove the spots, the blotch, it never comes clean. Even though we use lye and much soap, the stain of our iniquity is there. Thanks be to God, and that's what this text is telling us, is that there is a washing that can remove each spot and mark, each stain and wrinkle in us. It is that cleansing flowing from the dear Savior's side, which purified his church. And that's what St. Paul is talking about when he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, his bride, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This is the washing with water by the word. At Luther's time, the Reformed ask, how can simple water do such great things? And he reiterates it in his catechism. Remember what he says. It's not the water that in itself that does it, but it is the all-powerful word in the water that makes it a washing of regeneration, and a renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful treasure that gives fantastic gifts to each and every one of us. All the treasure of salvation, forgiveness of sins, divine life now, meaningful life right now, and the certainty of heaven, is which Christ won on the cross, comes to each and every one of us at the baptismal font. When we were brought there, that treasure was given to us. He won it on the cross, but the place that he distributes it is in baptism and in the other means of grace. In our baptism, faith was worked in our hearts, and all our sins were washed away for once and for all, for all times, so 
regardless of the failure that we've had this morning, regardless of the failure this past week, regardless of those things that keep haunting us, that we did a long time ago and they come back, realize that in baptism, they've been washed into the depths of the sea and the Father in heaven sees us as holy and perfect. Even though our sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be as wool, washed in the blood of the Lamb flowing to us in the baptismal river. Neumeier, Neumeiser said in this text, in the hymn, I'm sorry. Our baptism then is not just a one-time occurrence that happened to me in October 1950, but it remains a daily occurrence, or it should, in our lives. But how, we talk about that, we should daily use our baptism. How do we return to our baptism? How do we drown the self and let the new life come forth, as Luther talks about in the Catechism? We do that by daily confession and absolution. As we confess our sins in the divine worship service and as we should in our morning and evening prayers, what we're literally doing is we're taking the sins of the day and throwing them back into the font, drowning them, burying them with Christ so that the new life can come forth and arise on the basis of the word of absolution. That's our daily use of the wonderful treasure that we have in baptism. It's here, it's, it's there for you today. This new life, born in baptism and nourished through the word and supper will culminate in the resurrection of this very body and the wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven. Scripture tells us that in baptism we're clothed with Christ. We put him on so that we're so intimately united with him that his life, the life, that perfect life that he lived is now our life. And his death is our payment for our sins. It is our death to sins. St. Paul says, You are all the sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as you, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. We've been covered with the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. Through that glorious wedding garment, the Father sees us as his spotless children, as the sons and daughters of God, destined to celebrate forever the feast of the Lamb. As St. John the Divine says, these are those who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the, bab in the, blood of the Lamb. I've been baptized into Christ. I'm a child of paradise. Baptism indeed saves us. Amen. Let us arise. We pray. With one accord, O God, we pray. Grant us thy Holy Spirit. Look thou on our infirmities through Jesus' blood and merit. Grant us to grow in grace each day by holy baptism that we may eternal life inherit. Amen. We continue with the hymn.